The purpose of this podcast is solely for patient education. It is not intended to evaluate, diagnose, treat, or cure disease. Views expressed are those of the podcasters and not their affiliate. Any medical questions or concerns should be addressed by the listener's physician or care provider. Listening to this podcast does not constitute a patient-physician relationship between the listener and the podcaster. We do hope the podcast can help enhance the listener's own medical experience. Welcome back to this week's episode of Everything Your Doc Wants You to Know, but doesn't have time to tell you. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tips on navigating the health system and everything in between. Today we're going to talk about the adult immunizations. Let's start with the tetanus vaccine. So we'll actually cover four, four major adult immunizations today, including tetanus, pneumonia, influenza, and the shingles vaccine. And we'll just spend a little time talking about each one of those and who needs to get them. So going ahead with the tetanus shot. Yeah, I think the most important thing to uh, understand about the tetanus shot is once an adult, you were just getting straight up tetanus, which needs to be done every 10 years. But with the resurgent of pertussis or whooping cough, which has been going around nationwide, certainly there's been two outbreaks in our little area in the last several years, um, that is recommended now that every adult does get the Tdap, so the tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis vaccination, one time as an adult to help protect you from whooping cough or pertussis in addition to tetanus that's been going around. Right. And that's one that um, I will often have a discussion with my patients on, especially if they're older and have young grandchildren around. It's really important to have that pertussis protection. Um, We also recommend that for pregnant women who we don't treat, but I know our obstetricians are immunizing them for Tdap as well. So again, tetanus is generally every 10 years, and that's the longest time frame that one should go between vaccine, between the tetanus shots. And all adults should get the tetanus with pertussis or Tdap once at least during their adulthood. And that one's important, especially because there has been outbreaks of pertussis throughout the the country. Right. And so talking about tetanus, do you want to explain more about tetanus and what it is and where it is in the environment? Sure. So most would be from rusty nails um, that I guess you would get that's what everybody thinks of, I guess, is being punctured by a rusty nail yeah. uh, to get tetanus. And tetanus toxoid is everywhere, really, in the environment, in soil. soil. and yep. So I generally, I'll have sometimes older patients ask me if they still need it. And I will usually recommend it because, again, there's a potential to be exposed to the tetanus toxin right. um, really anywhere. Um, is there ever an age, Lindsay, where you quit telling your patients to get the tetanus shot? I don't. I recommend it. But if they're really um, not getting out and, you know, health life expectancy is maybe less than, you know, five years and they're not doing much outside the home, then that's a time where maybe you've probably had enough exposure over your lifespan that you'd still be protected. Right. Um, but but certainly if you're in your age and you're still out there in your garden potting plants, I think it's it's worth continuing to get. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I generally will maybe think twice about that nursing home population yeah. where, like you said, they're really not getting out, not having their hands in dirt or shoveling or things like that. And then it's much less important than the rest of the population. Right. 
think that probably covers tetanus. So moving on to the pneumonia vaccine. So there are two different varieties of the pneumonia vaccine. One is pneumococcal 13, one is pneumococcal 23. And before we talk about those, let's just talk briefly about what pneumonia is or what we're preventing here. Yeah, so pneumonia is a lower respiratory tract infection of the lungs that is caused by bacteria. I mean, you can get viral pneumonias, but what we're talking about preventing here is bacterial pneumonias. What are some of our regular culprits for bacterial pneumonias? Right, so strep pneumo is probably one of the more common ones. Um, The difficulty with pneumococcal bacteria is that it has a thick shell around the cells, and so it's much harder for our immune systems to fight on its own, and that's why the pneumonia vaccines are important. So in general, we recommend pneumonia vaccines starting at age 65 for most healthy adults. Is that kind of the standard you've been following, Lindsay? Right. There's um, times when you would get it earlier than that, and that would be with certain chronic diseases, um, that affected your immune system. Right. So anything lowering immunity or lowering the immune system, it could be medications, could be illnesses, could be um, other things. And then people with lung disease too. So that right. people who have asthma, asthma or COPD, COPD would get the pneumonia vaccines earlier. If you're generally healthy, then starting at age 65. Um, and the pneumococcal 13 is newer, somewhat newer right. than the 23. Um, and it covers a few more strains, different that. strains than the 23, and it generates a pretty good immune response. So what we do right now is at age 65, we start with the pneumococcal 13 vaccine and a year later do the administer the 23 vaccine. Correct. If you get them before 65, they can be administered closer than a year. It's, I think, eight weeks between the 13 and the 23 um, and then you'd get it again then after the age Absolutely, of yep. And that would be a discussion with your healthcare provider if you think that you're somebody who might need that. And I think that's important for everybody at all stages of life. But yep, definitely at 65 and above, I would get your pneumococcal vaccinations. Well, let's move on to the shingles vaccine. I I listed influenza next, but I want to spend more time on that. So let's do (laughs) shingles next. Um, So the shingles vaccine you may or may not have heard of. There was two shingles vaccines available, and I'm going to use their brand names here for a moment. One is Zostavax, and that's the older one, and the uh, the newer one is called Shingrix. And so talking about shingles and what we're trying to treat um shingles is a virus that if you had chicken pox previously in life you already have the virus in your system and what happens after you fight off or suppress the chicken pox is that the virus goes dormant in ganglia near your spinal cord so in a little they just kind of hide out roots yep in the nerve roots in your spinal cord And later in life, if you have an episode where your immune system is down for some reason or some acute stress, that virus can reactivate and then cause that terribly painful burning rash that we know of as shingles. And it always affects the only one side or what we call a dermatome. So the area that that particular nerve root um, on your skin, so it's only one side of your body and in one little dermatome. So that's what makes the shingles rash identifiable compared to other rashes. Right, yeah. And so the the former shingles vaccine, or the older shingles vaccine, I should say, 
was a live vaccine. And so that was only given to a limited population. People who have immune suppression were unable to get that immunization. And the efficacy, that means how well the vaccine worked to actually prevent it, was not terribly high. It was in right. the 30 to 60% range, I believe the numbers were. Yeah, and it did, it did better with the, you know, 50 to 60-year-olds, but once you got up into the 80s, you really had a decline in how you uh, responded to it. Right. So the newer one, again, the, the brand name known as Shingrix, is a more effective vaccine. It's also not a live vaccine, so it's safe for Benefits, yeah. pretty much everybody. Um and this one is given in a two-dose series. So you get one dose and then sometime in the next two to six months get a second dose. Um, and most people tolerate it well. The Again, it won't make you sick. It won't give you the infection from it. It does generate a strong immune response. And what right. that means is your body is fighting something. It's making antibodies like it's supposed to because right. of the vaccine. And so many people will get achy and have swollen glands and not feel great. Low-grade fevers yep. are not atypical for after a vaccine. Right, and that may last for 24 to 48 hours or so afterwards. So that's normal and expected with that vaccine, um, but the vaccine does work very well. I think probably the biggest downside to that newer one is cost. And, um, and availability. Availability is the other limitation. So cost-wise, some insurance companies cover it, others do not. You would have to check on your own plan to see um, whether or not it's covered and whether or not you can find it somewhere near you. Right. I, another on all the vaccines is lately insurances are covering, typically they're covering better if you get the vaccines at your pharmacy rather than your doctor's office, which is really frustrating. Um, but you want to go where it's more cost effective to you. So check into that. Absolutely. And importantly, just do update your clinic when you get a vaccine somewhere else so that everybody's records can reflect what you have had done. And I think the important thing about the shingles vaccine is that make it worthwhile because although this new vaccine is better and improved, you still can get shingles after getting the vaccine. But what it is doing is decreasing the severity. And there's something called post-herpetic neuralgia, which is um, after shingles, having the chronic pain years and years afterwards. And that's something you want to avoid. And that's what the vaccines are good at, decreasing that post-herpetic neuralgia and decreasing the length of the course of shingles. Definitely good reasons to think about the vaccine right. and check with your insurance. Well, let's move on to influenza. So before we talk about the vaccine itself, I'll just talk about the illness a little bit. Influenza is a virus. Um, a lot of times we call it the flu. You've probably heard of people calling it the flu shot. We're not talking about the stomach flu, which is a common misconception where the stomach flu is a viral gastroenteritis. That's inflammation and irritation of the GI tract, so the stomach, the intestines, the colon, generally causing nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Influenza is a virus that tends to affect the airways. It can affect the GI system as well. But what we worry about is when it causes a bad lower respiratory tract infection like pneumonia. And again, it's a viral pneumonia in that situation. It can be very severe and serious and life-threatening. Exactly. You can die from influenza. And, um, I think the typical symptoms are kind of a nasal congestion, cough, fever, body aches. Often accompanied with a headache when you have the high mm -hmm. fever, runny nose, 
And then it can develop into more concerning respiratory symptoms, trouble breathing, shortness of breath, things like that. So definitely worth getting the vaccine every year. And I recommend it for everybody every year. In the past, there have been studies and recommendations from different groups saying, well, populations at risk should get it yearly. So children, older adults, pregnant women should get it. But truly, everybody should be getting the influenza vaccine because influenza can affect and can kill otherwise healthy individuals. And obviously, we want to prevent that. Right. It's definitely preventable. And and I hear a lot of people saying, well, I've never gotten sick. Um, And that's their reason for not getting the flu influenza vaccine every year. And I say, well, that's great, but that doesn't mean you're never going to get sick and that you shouldn't protect yourself from getting sick in the future. Um, And the people around you, right? When you get a vaccine, you're protecting the people in close proximity to you at your work, in your family, at your school, in your community. So it it goes beyond you at that point, um, so it's important community-wise. Absolutely, yeah. Another argument that I hear about the influenza vaccine is that it's not that effective, and the efficacy can definitely vary from year to year depending on what circulating strains of the virus are around and what they predicted the strains to be when they were making the vaccine for each year. That being said, there are very good studies demonstrating that if you do get the flu shot, the influenza vaccine every year, your mortality from influenza is significantly lower than those who do not or who just get it sporadically. And so even if they missed the mark that year, you are still protecting yourself. You would still fight off the infection better than a person who hadn't got the, the vaccine at all. Right. Yeah. Because and it, you're you're going to be somewhat close enough that you're still going to mount a response that better that is better than not getting it at all. Right. And when I say lower mortality from influenza, just to clarify, that means lower rates of death from right. influenza. So getting the immunization on a yearly basis does have cumulative benefit over time. Right. I mean, they've they've shown that people who've had it every year do better than somebody who just had it one time. Right. right? So if if you're consistently getting it, you're better off than the person who just got it that year. Yeah, absolutely. Another concern that I've heard voiced with the influenza vaccine is concern about side effects. Some people, like like Lindsay said, well, some people will say, I've never been sick and the vaccine made me sick. The vaccine, kind of like we talked about with the shingles vaccine, can generate an immune response that makes you feel yes. achy and fatigued and not great for even several days after getting it. But that means that the vaccine is working and your body's generating antibodies, which will fight influenza should you get it after that. Um, another complaint is egg allergy, which we have egg-free vaccines that you can get. Yeah, you just need to let your clinic know that you need to get the egg-free version of the influenza vaccine, and that's available. Yeah, and then I've, I've also heard patients complain, or patients, this is very uncommon, but once in a while a patient will have had a history of Guillain-Barre sim- syndrome, um, and that's a syndrome that can occur, usually we don't know why, often following viral infections, perhaps very rarely following immunizations. This is less than one in a million cases. And it's a progressive, generally temporary neurologic um, syndrome in which people lose muscle or lose neurologic control starting at the feet and progressing up sometimes to the waist. And then it generally resolves over a period of weeks. So Previously, that had been kind of a soft reason, a soft contraindication or reason not to get the vaccine. More recent studies have shown that if you contract influenza, the virus, and 
um, fight that off, you're more likely to get Guillain-Barre syndrome from having had the virus than from having had the immunization. And that's a big difference. Far more likely to get it from the virus than to have any problems with the influenza vaccine. So again, we strongly recommend a yearly influenza vaccine. I think some other concerns are mercury and therm. What is it? Thermimosol. Thimerosal. Thimeros- yeah. Thank you. Thimerosal. Um, being uh, in the vaccines, and that is no longer the case. So there may have been a time where there was a small amount of these things, but there, that is no longer the case. So with all of these, there is very good science behind their use. We have clear studies indicating benefit. Um, and the benefits by far outweigh any potential side effects of the immunizations. Um, you know, as a smart thinking person, I can kind of understand why people might hesitate to to have something injected into them when they didn't mix it up and they don't know exactly what's in it. But I think that the um, science community and the health community have really done a nice job studying vaccines. Obviously, that's why we've dramatically reduced mortality from vaccine preventable illnesses. And um, it's important to keep doing that, to keep immunizing. And I think about even the new vaccines that some of us who are older, like the HPV vaccine. What is that again, Lindsay? The human papilloma vaccine, uh, virus vaccine, which prevents, you know, HPV is the virus that causes cervical cancer and is why all of us women who are over the age of, you know, 30 have gotten pap smears for all the years that you've gotten pap smears. And to think that this vaccine could in the future mean that cervical cancer is eliminated is huge. But we've got to get people vaccinated. And and some of us are past the time where that that is effective. And mostly our population is that is older and um, cannot, you know, is not recommended that they get that. But you should definitely encourage your your younger um, family members to to get that vaccine and so that we can eliminate cervical cancer, which is would be awesome. Quite amazing that um, we know it's caused 99, probably 0.9% of the time caused by the HPV virus. And so there is a vaccine that can treat that and prevent it. And they sorry, I should say not treat that can prevent, prevent it. it. Exactly. And you know, it was, I think it's out for I'm not a pediatrician, so, you know, the 12 to 21, but they just extended the age up to, I think, into people who are maybe 40. It was, I think, an age when you were born by age. And so if you're younger than 40, definitely ask your physician about it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there are several other immunizations that we're not focusing directly on today. Um, Those include the meningococcal vaccine that helps prevent meningitis, MMR, hepatitis vaccines. Those are all immunizations that we recommend and we recommend that you speak with your provider about whether or not it's time for you to have them. So our health pearl for this week is the long-awaited lentil tacos, which both of us enjoy sharing with our families. And um, actually, I bring them to a clinic quite often for my lunch the following day. And everybody thinks they smell so good that I have convinced many um, other staff members to start making them too. So they're they're a big hit. So typically, I just kind of make it up. Um, I went from a couple recipes uh, that I found just searching online. But I just put, um, you know, some onions and peppers and lentils in kind of a 
um, frying, what do you call it? Just a saucepan. And then add um, some chicken broth or vegetable broth if you're going to be vegan and um, cook those down with some just a a generic taco seasoning. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you know, use all the oregano and chili pepper powder, all that kind of stuff. But I just use a pre-made up taco seasoning. Um, and then either we make it into a taco salad or a soft taco or a hard taco. And we have, um, sometimes we do cabbage slaw with it or, um, we make guacamole, but there's many variations. Yeah. And you can mm-hmm. add whatever toppings you usually like on tacos and they are very good. Yep. If you have any questions regarding immunizations and timing, please uh, write us on our email, which is... It's mail at everythingdoc.com. That's M-A-I-L at E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G-D-O-C dot com. Mail at everythingdoc.com. We appreciate hearing from you. Again, as we've always said, we will not use your name unless you give us permission to do so. And um, we will not address individual specific questions, but if they're more general questions, we're happy to address those. Exactly. We hope you join us next time for our discussion on sinus infections. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Find us on our website at everythingdoc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter.